Welcome back to Heritage Bites, Heritage Mississauga's podcast that shares bite-sized pieces of the fascinating diverse history and heritage of Mississauga. Today's episode concludes the immigration story of Guy Nagenda and her family from Sri Lanka to Canada. I'm joined today by Megan McIntosh, Heritage Mississauga Outreach Coordinator, and Guy herself, who will be answering questions about the challenges and obstacles that she and her family faced and overcame in her immigration story from the Pearl of the Indian Ocean to Port Credit. This program is made possible through funding from the Ontario Trillium Foundation, and we invite you to like, follow, and rate Heritage Bites. Hi, Gaia. Thank you for joining us on Heritage Bites as we reach the conclusion of your journey so far. Good afternoon, Kelly, and good afternoon, Megan, and thank you for having me today to share my journey with you on this podcast. And we are also joined again by Megan McIntosh, Outreach Coordinator at Heritage Mississauga. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Gaia. And hello to all you podcast listeners. Great to be back. Now, you and Gaia have known each other for a while. How were you able to capture Gaia's incredible story? Yes, I got to know Gaia through the Mississauga Multicultural Festival. She helped organize and she's done a ton of work in the Sri Lankan community. And she actually reached out to me after I promoted that project. I put the feelers out there on Facebook and just said to anyone who's an immigrant to Mississauga, if they'd like to be interviewed and tell their oral histories. And she reached back, back out to me and we ended up doing a two hour Zoom call. And since then, we've really been communicating a lot. She's really been encouraging with this project. She also invited me to a Sri Lankan restaurant opening, Saffron Spice Kitchen here in Mississauga. So she's just been a huge part of the project. I'm just so thankful for community like community leaders like her who helped to connect others with this really important work. And then she ended up recording her story again as an audio. And now here we are on the podcast uh, sharing it with everyone. <laughs> And Gaia, in previous parts of your story that we've listened to so far, you had described various challenges that you have had to overcome, such as escaping the riots of Sri Lanka, surviving on salt water, rice and bread for 15 days to find refuge in Jaffna, journeying to Canada, settling into a new home, facing racism and adjusting to a new culture. So many things really stand out in your story, and I wanted to expand on a few of them. You and your family had to flee Sri Lanka due to the riots in 1983, which would be very traumatic to any child and their parents. What do you remember most from that day? Well, Kelly, I could say it was probably a Saturday afternoon. Um, it was very sunny that day. We had a big veranda in front of my house. So me and my sister used to play there every day. But especially that day, we played a lot because it was a weekend. And I didn't have to go to Montessori to learn anything like that. So we had, uh, I think, two tricycles. Um, so we were just playing with the tricycles, riding around in the veranda, and then we had the um, the other toys that were there, the balls and stuff like this. And then um, so we were just doing our thing and playing, and 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 that was our daily routine on the weekends. And my mother and my grandmother would be in the house looking at us, watching us, and all of a sudden, that's when the first um, signs of the riots began so basically the first time we saw that was when the rocks came through the window of our house and we know and we knew what was going on incredible so it's a very vivid memory of your actual home being under attack now when you and your family fled your dad was actually in Saudi Arabia and did not know where you were 
or even if you were alive for 40 days. By today's standards and available technology, parents can contact their, their children fairly immediately. So I can imagine that your dad was rather panicked, not knowing who his family was, if they were okay, if they were alive, and vice versa, you couldn't communicate with him. What do you recall about when you were finally reunited as a family? So we had a family friend that lived in Colombo, that lived in Colombo, close to our house. And he's, a, he's the person who took us to the boat um, to get us to safety in Jaffna. So he had kept in touch with my dad after we left. So he's the one who told him, your family is safe, you're in Jaffna. So right away, my dad took a flight back to Sri Lanka and came to Jaffna right away, brought lots of toys and gifts for us. And he was so overjoyed to see us because, you know, he was waiting so long for this news of like happiness and and he was relieved that we were alive because he didn't know we were where we were for 40 days so he thought we were dead basically so he was really happy at the end and it's, it's nice to see that when there's a tragedy or an atrocity such as the riots and the attack on your family that community will come together to actually put you in contact so while you were waiting for your papers to come to Canada, you had actually returned to Colombo, where the riots had happened and your home was actually under attack. What do you recall about returning to the city that you had fled? Had the landscape changed significantly? Were you frightened to return to a place that was your home, but had such a traumatic event associated with it? Um, yeah, we had to go see the house where my dad had to sell it uh, before we came to Canada because that was my grandmother's, my uh, paternal grandmother's house so she told him to sell it before we came to Canada so we had to go see what it had looked like so everything was pretty much burnt down the walls were covered in like soot and smoke and you can sal we salvaged our most of our belongings anyhow before that but it was it didn't look like what we what I had what I saw before that so and then of course my had my dad had to stay behind to get it renovated and everything else so it was sellable so after that, everything was done. We um, put everything together and made the house look decent. So it was a good property to sell at the time. Excellent. And it, it's good you got the most important things, which were all your family members together so that you could find a, a new home that felt safer for you and your family. So in 1985, you arrived in Canada. What was your first impression of Canada and how did it compare to your expectations? Well, I had no idea what Canada was going to look like because I just thought, okay, I knew my family lived there and, and they spoke English and everybody told us you had to learn English. So we were well prepared, but I had no idea of like, like the big tall buildings, lights, the highways, the roads, and it was so different. And we were coming from Pearson International Airport to my aunt's house that lived near Arendelle Go Station Road. And just to see that, the vision at nighttime of all the buildings at night and the highway and it was something different that I would never have expect, expected to see in Sri Lanka. It must have been overwhelming you know to come in and as a child just be overtaken by all the buildings and the hustle and bustle of Mississauga. Yeah. Now yeah yes, you're so sorry and now you originally settled in Mississauga then you moved mm -hmm. to Amherstburg you mentioned in your discussions with Megan that you'd experienced some racism and, racism and had to overcome a language barrier. So how did you overcome the language barrier? And did you feel that over time there was acceptance? Yeah, um, well, I, I didn't have to go to ESL in Mississauga. I only had to go there for a month and they knew that I, was, I spoke English already. So I had no issues. 
So when I moved to Amherstburg, um, language is not was not a problem, but we experienced racism because we were the only um, people of like color in the town. So they, there was African Canadians that lived there, but we were the only um, people of other minorities that lived there. So it was a bit different for them to accept us. But along the way, we kind of um, picked up the language, spoke like them and had to change our accent and a lot of our man mannerisms became very um, Canadianized. So that way that they were able to accept us and all that stuff. So it was easy to um, assimilate in the culture of that town. Right. And it seemed like you sort of learned to mirror uh, the people around you as well. Yeah, um, yeah. So how long did it take you to feel like you had acclimated to a new culture and language and to feel like you had found a place of finally a place of belonging? Maybe after one year, I think, yeah, by the time we moved in and settled into the new house and everything, we were assimilated in the town's culture. So a year from the time we, we got there. And you said that you had found new relationships and new communities with uh, other people from Sri Lanka and India that spoke the same yeah, language lived, when you went to university? Yeah, they lived in Windsor at the time. So they were like friends that we kind of got connected through people and we had a, a, a big social circle in Windsor of people from India and Sri Lanka and they spoke Tamil. So a lot of the weekends were spent going to their houses and watching movies and cooking together and playing with their children and all that stuff and assimilate, assimilating with their cult, our, our culture. And you reconnected with your culture, you had said uh, in your prior interview with Meg, through dance. Yes, we started learning Bharatanatyam, which is form of uh, South Indian temple dance. It's a religious art form and dance form. And through that way, we got to learn our language, our religious religion and tradition. And um, we were able to perform recitals in Mississauga and Windsor and um, learned a new culture of dancing. So we were in the dance uh, like phase of our lives for probably like 12 to 14 years. Beautiful. So you found your community and created lasting connections. So this brings us to where we last left you off in the story in which you created connections becoming a mother and a wife, which we will continue to explore now in the conclusion, part three of Guy Najendra's immigration story. Continuing where I left off, after this experience of being a wife and my mother, I had to live my life through my new family and my old family. So there was a lot of um, togetherness in my family at this time because um, a lot of my older cousins and myself and my cousins my age hadn't got, had got married and we had significant others and our children also came into this picture now. So we had a mix of three generations together in my whole extended family, which is my father's side. So we had my uncles, my aunts, my cousins, our spouses and our children, including siblings of those of my cousins who also got married, who had children. So all in all, we have, we had a big extended family. So that from, from, I guess, 2008, 2005, about to 2019 just before the pandemic hit a lot of whatever I was doing 
in my life, whether it was work, how family, um, home life, it had to do with a lot of the extended family that came to be with us during the times. Um, so that's how our family network grew because of the large expansion of of new people, new kids being born, um, significant others coming to the our lives and everything like that. And in 2017, um, my father had passed away due to a heart attack. He was previously ill before that time as well, but in 2017, that's another incident that happened in my life that impacted me a lot because my father was the reason I am here today and the person I am, which is a social worker, an activist, a mother, and a family person that helps the community. And my father had taught me these things from a very young age, from age 14 to all the way up to 43 now. Everything I had learned was from my father. He was a pillar of my life. And what I had gone through from Sri Lanka to Canada, he had taken up upon himself to bring me and my sister up, give us a good life, um, academically, culturally, um, community-wise, everything was there. Even though he was a strict father, we he was a very, very strict father, and he wanted us to bring up in a good way. We had our freedoms too. We weren't like other Sri Lankan families where most of the girls were kept home and um, restricted and they were in their shell. My father was not like that. He wanted, he pushed us to do things all the time. He told us not to be afraid. You can do whatever you want in this world. So I have to take a lot of credit to my father for bringing me up this way. And um, I just like to say that, you know, being coming from Sri Lanka, going through this journey of like coming through a war and living my life in Sri Lanka and Canada, that it has taught me to be a better person, to help people in need, and to just to be a good person on this planet. And I love the city of Mississauga, I love the community that I'm involved in. I would never give anything back to hold back anything. I would like to see myself grow more in this city. My daughter has a future here and I'd like to thank everybody in my life so far that has been there for me for the past, I would say 43 years, whoever I met through my life, my family, my friends, acquaintances. And yeah, and I'm still going on through my journey coming from Colombo to Mississauga. And it's been a very, very positive, some negative experiences as well, as we all go through them. But other than that, I think I had a very fruitful journey going through one thing to another and going to live from one continent to another continent, having culture shock and going through a lot of things to get through, get through where we are today. So I'd like to thank the city of Mississauga, Mississauga Heritage, Mississauga and the team for letting me, letting me do this project, narrating my story in my own voice as a narrative of my storytelling and to make 
my story in Mississauga, a positive one. And I'd just like to say thank you for everyone for letting me do this. And it was a wonderful experience. And thank you. Thank you, Gaia, for sharing your incredible journey with us. And we are very sorry for the loss of your father, who seems to have been a very supportive parent who encouraged you to try new things. Would you like to share some memories of your dad? Did he feel he made the right decision to immigrate to Canada? Oh, first of all, I'd like to say thank you for having me on your podcast and making me part of this project. It really helped me uh, get through my tragedy and um, it has been very therapeutic and very helpful to tell my story so people can heal through themselves and through my story if they have to go through this journey. So I'd just like to thank you and your team again for having me on this podcast and making me part of this project. As my for my father, um, it's been five years since he passed away. So yeah, a lot of things have transpired till, since then and things have really changed in my life. And what he did was wanted everybody to be happy and make a better life for all of us. So I think he did the best thing of moving to Canada and Mississauga and making everything uh, positive for us. So what his legacy has left behind is what I am following through and I hope to pass it on to my child as well. Oh, beautiful. So since participating in the interviews and oral histories with Meg, it brought back positive forgotten memories and pride in your family for all that you've overcome? Yes. So Megan, you mentioned in our last episode that you never really knew the struggles and determination that people have had to have to come to Canada. What stands out most for you from Gaia's journey? I would say that knowing her whole journey Knowing from, you know, the time when she was a kid and she had to hide in the forest because of her home was being, you know, bombed. And, you know, she was literally in the middle of the war. Um, But then, you know, knowing her resilience, knowing how what she's like today and the strength and how much she gives back to her community and helping with programming with other Sri Lankans and Mississauga. It's almost like her story brings her full circle. And in a sense, going through what she had to, what she went through, which it's, it's so terrible to go through so much trauma, especially at a young age. But I'm sure for anyone that's ever been through struggles and, and things in their life, there's a bit of a purpose that comes through. And that's part of what I feel from Gaia, just like her urgency and, and her brilliance of connecting with people because she knows how important it is to tell a story and how soothing and how it helps people release that trauma and release um, all those emotions. And that's what I think is a blessing because she's brought so many other people to me to tell their stories that are specifically from Sri Lanka and a lot of Tamils who have gone through similar things. And while it's very difficult to interview people who have gone through so much because you just feel so much emotion for them, every time they feel um, good that they've been able to tell their story. And I think that it's just amazing the gift that she's giving to others and the courage and strength she's had herself to rebuild her life in a whole other country, because that's not easy. So for us, she certainly inspired and educated us. And she's certainly helping us create avenues for other people to share their stories, right? So Gaia, what has it meant to you to participate in this project and to tell your story? 
Well, I'd like to say, like to Kelly and Megan, I feel that now as a part of being the close-knit community in Mississauga and how my uh, heritage has impacted me as a Sri Lankan living in this city, it is important to bring those values and those cultural um, nuances to everyday living in the city as well and interacting with people and assimilating with the city of Mississauga and its people and sharing knowledge of others as well. So um, from this, I would like to educate people on how um, people have from not myself, but also other countries that have come through Mississauga and made it their homes and how important it is to have that, um, I would say mosaic of multiculturalism in our city and how we should respect each other, treat each other equally and, um, and how we are going to foresee a positive future as Mississauga will grow into more, becoming more diverse in the future. Exactly, and it creates an environment of a shared culture. Everybody learns about everyone else. Everyone else assimilates it into their life, you know, and celebrates right. it, right? Um, so on Heritage Bites, we like to ask everyone the same three rapid fire questions. So the first one is, what does heritage mean to you? To me, heritage is a discovery of my people, ancestors, the countries where my ancestors came from, my religion, culture, tradition, language, food, and clothing, cultural nuances, and to be immersed in my heritage and share it with others. Perfect. So our second question is, how does heritage impact or influence your life? It impacts my life every day, from the food I eat to speaking of my mother tongue, Tamil. Perfect. And our last question, what do you love most about Mississauga? I love Mississauga. It's rich in diversity. It's a close-knit community and, and in a city where we can all live together in harmony. Perfect. Now, Gaia, thank you again so much for sharing your personal stories, the stories of your family with us, and for commemorating Mississauga's Cultural Heritage Project. I'm sure that you and Megan will be working together on many more projects. Thank you so much, Gaia. Thank you, Kelly. And thank you for everybody else who is listening to the podcast right now. And if you are, and you'd like to share your story with us, if you are interested in doing an oral history with me, you can definitely email me at outreach at heritagemississauga.org. That's outreach, O-U-T-R-E-A-C-H at heritagemississauga.org. I would love to hear from you. So... Thank you to Kelly and Megan for making me part of this project. And I'd like to end off the podcast today with a quote that I'd like to say. Sri Lanka is where my story begins, but Mississauga is where I became a Sri Lankan. Beautiful. Thank you for joining us today on Heritage Bites. We would like to thank Gaia for sharing her lived experiences and her immigration story. This episode is part of our Commemorating Mississauga's Cultural Heritage Project, which is funded by the Ontario Trillium Foundation. Please share your stories with Megan at outreach at heritagemississauga.org. And don't forget to like, rate, and follow Heritage Bites.